Marriage. No matter where your marriage is right now, it can be full of hope, grace, change, and love. Listen in as we present Pursue Marriage Weekender 2023, a series of sessions and sermons where the Bible is celebrated, marriages are nurtured, and lives are transformed. If you have your Bible, take them and turn to chapter Proverbs chapter 24 tonight. I'll be there in a few moments, Proverbs chapter 24. I want to start tonight by commending you for being here tonight. Your very presence is really an illustration of the point that I will be preaching about tonight, and that is making an investment, positive contributions, deposits into your marriage. Um, Terry and I have been married for 35 years. We have a great marriage. The Bible says um, that there is a reward for our labor, that we're not to grow weary in well-doing. And if we persist and we persevere, that in time, we can experience the very best things in life. You know, lots of people start a thing, but very few people finish the thing that they start. It's easy to get on a bandwagon. It's easy to be excited. It's easy to be pumped about something. But persevering to the end of something is really where the reward in life is at. I'm honestly not trying to be convincing. I, I just want to tell you, tell you my testimony. We've been married 35 years. And I am more in love today than I have ever been in my life. We are in one of the greatest chapters of our life. Uh, we have successfully, whatever that means, raised seven children. <laughs> I guess by that I mean... I thank the Lord they've all married Christian spouses. Um, when Terry and I first got married, you know, we, we weren't real smart. We were simple. We had real simple goal, goals, and our goals were simply this. You know, we wanted to be happy. Um, we wanted to love the Lord. And we, we taught our kids this, that we want you to grow up and love the Lord. And then secondly, we want you to grow up and love Eastland Baptist Church. Amen. And then we want you to grow up and love us and each other. Yeah. And so when I say success, I, I guess that's what I mean because... Um, when I go home, six of my seven children, their spouses, and those 14 grandkids are all going to be there, and they serve there with us. And my seventh, my, my eldest son, would be, he's in the Air Force, and he's stationed someplace else, but he's trying to make his way back home. And I say all that to say this, is that, um, you know, there's no storybook ending here. I just want you to know I'm happy Amen. that I love that lady. Last time I checked, she said she loves me. We have had a great adventurous life together, and as I scan the room, I'm thinking I'm one of the older people here, and I don't know how that happened. Um, I'm, I'm almost 60. Um, I, my brain tells me I'm younger than that. Um, my body says something different, but um, it's just, if you, if you just persevere, it's worth it. If you work through the hardship, it, you know, the hardest things in life um, kind of hedge sometimes against the best things in life, but if you can climb the mountain, if you can, if you can make the journey then I, I just want to give you the testimony tonight. I, I think you can find some of the greatest times, and I want to encourage that in your marriage. I, I was really encouraged when I saw Brother Chadwick's uh, introduction, and he talked about resilience. That's really my topic uh, tonight, and will be tomorrow. It's a two-part message. Um, if it falls a little flat tonight, give me a chance tomorrow to finish and complete the message. But I, I just want to share some things with you tonight. They're really simple. They're really basic. Uh, matter of fact, I, I think they, they, they couldn't be less complex but it's something we may not just be thinking about. So look with me, if you would, in Proverbs chapter 24. This is a familiar text. And we're going to begin our reading in verse number 30. Proverbs 24, verse number 30. 
Bible says, I went by the field of the slothful and by the vineyard of the man void of understanding. And lo, it was all grown over with thorns and nettles had covered the face thereof and the stone wall thereof was broken down. And then I saw and considered it well. I looked upon it and received instruction. Yet a little sleep and a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep, and so shall thy poverty come as one that traveleth, and thy want as an armed man. Our Heavenly Father, I pray in the next few moments as we, Lord, consider this passage, and Lord, the thought of what transpires in our life through neglect. Lord, what happens to a marriage or relationship that forfeits positive contribution and deposit? Uh, Lord, then the metaphor here would, would be Lord, resembling of our marriages, something that is less than it could be. And so, Lord, I pray you give us, help us give attention to this and ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Obviously tonight, a term or definition that I would like for us to focus on this session and then the one again tomorrow is the idea and the thought of resiliency. I want you to think about that word tonight, resilient. I think all of us kind of know what that word means. It's defined as the capacity or the quality to withstand or recover quickly from difficulties. It's, it's overcoming something that's hard. Five years ago, in 2017, I discovered that um, arthritis had attacked my cervical vertebrae, the bones in my neck, and that I required a cervical fusion. I had C4 through 7 fused, an anterior fusion. Two months ago, I had a revision, a significant revision. This time, they went through the back. They did a posterior procedure. And before I had the surgery, I asked the doctor, I said, well, should I do this now or should I do it later? And he said... Well, you probably should do it when you are as strong as you could be. Uh, you're not going to get it probably any stronger as you get older. So if, if you would do it now, you're in pretty good shape. You'll probably be more resilient now than you've ever been or ever could be going forward. And the idea there was is that I had that surgery on December 15th of uh, this uh, last year. And I'm here tonight. And since that time, I've already been back to the gym for a couple of weeks um, I've been working on a farm a little bit, cutting down trees and doing some work. And what allowed me to bounce, bounce back from that adversity was simply a lot of hard work that I had put in into the months and the years that preceded that surgery. You know, it wasn't something that happened after the surgery, but what made me recover was the deposits that I had made in my life and my strength and my, and my vitality in the weeks and months, really in years that preceded that surgery. That, in great measure, is what allows me to be here tonight are the deposits that I put in preceding that surgery. The idea of resiliency is to spring back from something, adversity, and to go back into previous shape or form. Now, when we apply that term to relationships, that process or ability to adapt and overcome difficulty or challenges, then we have a description of what a marriage should be. It should be resilient. Resilient materials are tough. They are durable. They can take a beating without failing. Uh, most of us would like to have this. We'd like to have a resilient bank account where we have lots of deficits, but we have enough deposits to overcome it, where we can bounce back from the expenses that we occur on that account. Um, we would like that. And of course, using those metaphors, 
We want to have a resilient marriage. We want to have a marriage that's tough, that possesses the ability to rebound back to a previous positive state after difficulty and trial. Now, as Christians, there's really two variables. I suppose there's more, but for our purpose tonight, there's two variables in play that really allow a Christian, and if we take an application in the marriage, a Christian marriage to bounce back, and number one is obvious, is simply the grace of God. The grace of God is that enabling power that allows us to do things that we otherwise could not do, and to be that which we cannot be, and to accomplish that which we could not accomplish. Grace is that, that ability that allows us to go the second mile, to hand the coat to someone who asks us of something less. The grace of God is absolutely the greatest necessity in life to be resilient, to overcome, to forgive, to go on, to forge ahead. But for our purpose tonight, I really want to focus on the second thought, and that is the variable of deposit or investment. When a relationship, our marriages, like a bank account, has more deposits than debits, it stays in the black, and overall it's positive. Okay, now just think, if you would, with me, maybe back a week, two weeks, the last month. If you're like most of us, there has been some negative interaction in your marriage, right? Okay, anybody else fight but Terry and I? Disagreements, see things differently, you know, not, not well, we're eye to eye, but for all the wrong reasons, you know. And there's, there's, there's those debits. As long as the pipe coming in is larger than the pipe going out, well, our relationship should never run dry or be in a bad place. You see, this dynamic is part of the way we live our Christian life. You and I live with great hope, with grace, but we live in a fallen, sinful world. We live in a world that takes away a lot from us. Uh, there's a lot of discouragement. There's a lot of heartbreak. There's a lot of difficulty. It's, you know, we, we were fighting the forces of entropy in the spiritual world, trying to go uphill with all the gravity and the forces of thermodynamics coming down against us, going down. This world wants to drain us through its sin, its discouragement, a vitality and a positive outlook and strength. But, you know, as we come together like tonight, you you come and sit here and we we sing these songs that that do something for the heart, they do something for the soul, they they sever that kind of tie with the world a little bit and and they feed us in a very positive way. As we spend time in the Word of God and in prayer, as we enjoy the fellowship, which I think so many of us did before the service tonight, well, then those all are deposits that build up a strength and a vitality that if we forfeited those efforts, we would otherwise not have. See, tonight you're making an incredible deposit in your Christian life, but also in your marriage. And when we do that, we will always be more than conquerors. We will be what Nike is, Hooper Nike, more than conquerors and overcomers. And it's equally true in all of our earthly relationships as well. When deposits exceed deficits or debits, then the marriage tends to look pretty positive and feel that way. And that's what I really want to talk to you about tonight and tomorrow, marital investment, making deposits, keeping that love bank, those love accounts full. Now, I'm not disparaging this, I'm just making a point. Much of marital advice, therapy and counseling, works on the marriage from the negative side. 
It attempts to mitigate the negative or provide a way to navigate um, minimally the harms of life. In other words, so we give communication advice, uh, how to fight fairly. You know, uh, you hold the stick and I'll speak and then you know, I'll hold the stick, that kind of stuff. Uh, how to express our hurts, you know, a, a type of therapy. And I think and I believe truly that all those things can be exceedingly helpful. But we, as husbands and wives, I think um, understanding those negatives, we ought to give great effort to being better people. I, I think you know, that's what every, every Sunday service is about and Wednesday nights and, and our Bible time. You know, measure ourselves against the Word of God and working to be that better person by the help of the Holy Spirit and the grace of God. And that's what Ephesians chapter 4, uh, you know, 28 32 is about. You know, it's this list of things to, to be transformed from. And we're told to be kind and tenderhearted. And in the same sentence, we're told to be forgiving. To be people who are willing to, through the grace of God, overcome the, the, the deficits of other people. You see, while we all ought to endeavor to be better people, we're never going to get there. I've been married 35 years the father of seven. And when I look at the man in the mirror, I'm not who I want to be yet. I'm not there. And I, I, I have messed up more times than I could tell you. And by the grace of God, for the most part, I, I think I've gone and asked for forgiveness and I've expressed an apology. And, and I think that transparency, that, that attempt to be authentic has allowed the kids and Terry to forgive me. But I have a humanity. I have a, I have a deficiency that will always be with me. It's never going to go away. And, and that's not an excuse for poor behavior on any of our parts, but it's just a reality that we all need to understand and, be, and, and especially to deal with in the marriage. If I was to ask tonight, how many of you have been hurt in a relationship? Okay, every hand would go up. It is a universal, ubiquitous experience to be hurt. And I would also say to you that is a universal, ubiquitous experience to be the agency of hurt in someone else's life. I love her, but I've been less than my best to her. And as much as I understand that intellectually, overcoming that, that man inside is still a work in progress for me. And that's why forgiving each other as God in Christ has forgiven us is so incredibly important. So much of the overcoming Christian life is building up the strength so I can forgive. So, so I have the spiritual resources inside that when hard times come, that I can pull from those resources and I can, and I can look at someone who's hurt me and say, I forgive you. I, I have that strength. I, ha I have that grace. So much of the Christian life is building strength so we can be what the Bible commands, persevering, long-suffering, patient, cheerfully enduring. Uh, those things require a depth of deposit that is made through the grind of life every day. It's what I call training, you know. We can all try in the moment to be something, but training is allows, what allows us to actually be there, to have that strength. Well, I'm simply applying this reality and truth to the dynamic and principles of having a good, and I'm going to say lasting marriage, one that endures. 
If I look back in Proverbs chapter 24, I want you to consider the text with me tonight. Here we see the effects and evidence of entropy, of decay, that are brought forth by the absence of positive investment. Okay, entropy, decay. These are the natural forces that take something from order, and for our purposes, from that which is good to that which is disordered or not good. Um, It's what happens to your child's bedroom after you clean it. Entropy, decay. You know, it's the first law, second law of thermodynamics applied there. Uh, What's good and right minus the input of positive goodness, cleaning up, tidying up, that room will fall into total decay. Well, that is true of all things and all systems. A a bridge will fall into decay if it is not maintained. A railroad track has to be maintained. A building takes maintenance. This building that you're in, in the absence of positive output of input, will not look like this in three years. There has to be work and cleaning and investment and painting and redoing things. The natural forces of injury decay fight all things in all systems, and it's also true sometimes in our relationships. In our relationships. And what we see in the text is the omission of the positive. It's not so much that negative forces came in and destroyed the farm. There just wasn't the presence of positive forces. Everything in life requires maintenance. The input of positive energy to avoid these laws of thermodynamics. And when they're not, we learn this great truth is that neglect, simple neglect, is the great destroyer of all things. Almost more than anything else, neglect destroys. Neglect your home. Neglect your car. Fail to change the oil. Don't paint the house. Neglect the yard. Neglect the garden. Neglect the tools. Neglect the appliances. Whatever it is that we neglect, we don't have to go up there and pound it. We don't have to abuse it. We just have to not give attention to it. In a time, it'll fall apart all on its own. Marriages of all relationships cannot be neglected. Okay, think. When you first met your marriage partner, your spouse, what did you immediately begin to do? Make investments. I mean, the capital just came pouring in. You met them, and in this exploration of the relationship, you began to invest in it. Now, I'm really old, so um, you know, I, I remember when phones were new. Not telephones, I mean cell phones. Um, <laughs> Terry and I have shoe boxes. This, we're this old. We have shoe boxes of handwritten notes that we wrote to each other. Okay? We wrote notes. Um, we used to call each other on those phones that had those really super long extension cords that went forever, you know, and we would go around the corner to try to talk privately. We called each other. I called Terry early in the morning. I I couldn't wait to spend time with her. We went on dates. We walked together. Um, We held hands. We shared our likes and dislikes, our interests, we begin to share our hopes and dreams. In the absence of children, 
and a home. And the multiplied responsibilities, we were free to give ourselves to our future spouses in a way that we were just building up a vast bank account of capital. Then came the honeymoon, an adventure together, excitement, the newness of life, and love was covering a multitude of sins. (laughs) And then time. Responsibilities began to multiply. Children arrived. More children arrived. (laughs) And then more kids. (laughs) The stresses and strains of life were felt. The deposits in the relationship, and I'm just talking now generally, they began to slow down. And the debits began to accumulate. The walks and talks grew far apart. Notes and texts subsided. Date nights were now spent watching kids. The resources of time and money and energy were divided in new and greater ways. The ledger sheet that reports the health of the marriage begins to dip towards the red. Without input, it will go there. Stresses of life caused agitation. Familiarity began to breed contempt. Okay, that's, that's too fast. Familiarity breeds abuse trust, taking the other for granted, disappointment, frustration, bitterness, and then contempt. Then all of a sudden, the beautiful farm with the mowed yard, the healthy livestock, the well-cared-for gates, the productive fruit trees all begin to languish. Metaphor for the marriage. And all of a sudden, these words used to describe a farm sadly are an apt description for many marriages. But only because, only because of the absence of positive input. Only because someone stopped tending the fields and putting the rocks back up upon the gates and investing in the farm the way they needed to. When neglect grows larger than maintenance and the seeds of this begin to germinate, you know, we, we, we have something that's ugly and what none of us want. If I had more time, you know, I would talk to you about how to mitigate debits and, there's, and we should, I, how to be better people, how not to have bad times. But, but that's not the point of my talk tonight. Instead, I want to talk to you tonight, and I want to encourage you, I want to exhort you to go from this place after this weekend and begin with purpose to begin to make more deposits in your marriage. Hard times are going to come. It's called life. But you can navigate them, you can survive them, and you can even blow right through them if you have enough capital there in your marriage. I haven't asked permission for this, so if you see a look over here, I'm gonna, and I'm in trouble, I'm sorry. I'm going to make a confession. Turn, I've been married for 35 years, we have a great marriage. On a Likert scale of 1 to 10, I would rate us at a 9.9995. 
for happiness, satisfaction, and marriage. I love Terry more today than I did years ago. We are happy. We live a life of adventure. We could not be more satisfied. Our relationship is healthy. We have a great sex life. We are, we are enjoying seven children and all their grandchildren. We're in a great place of life, and we had a doozy of a fight Tuesday night. Oh, my word. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you. It was a doozy. It's so ironic on the week of couples getaway, whatever. <laughs> I do marriage conferences. <laughs> I, I know how to mitigate a fight. I, I know the skills, how to pull back. I, I know I'm supposed to re-articulate and walk through things. I'm, I'm supposed to decrease my tone and calm down and all of that failed me. We devolved into our selfish humanity in all of his glory, and we did not get it settled Tuesday night. The sun went down on our wrath. Terry went to bed in the back bedroom. I made no attempt to reconcile. <laughs> but on my phone, I have the control of the thermostat in our house. And she's this back bedroom that has its own unit, and I turned it to 90 degrees. <laughs> I tried to sweat her out. <laughs> Did it work? No, it didn't either. I didn't see her the next day. It didn't work. Okay. My point. We are honestly and genuinely laughing about it today that event is infrequent for us it happens so what happened between Tuesday and today well the next day we got up I grabbed her in my arms I told her I loved her I expressed she was the best thing in my life she embraced me back and kissed me we apologized and forgave we pledge to become better people and do better in those scenarios. We didn't resolve the issue. We probably won't. I don't know that we can. I don't know all issues can be resolved. I'm not sure that's a fair expectation. But here's the other. It's not a big deal. The event was a blip. It was a real withdrawal, a deficit, in an otherwise incredibly rich, deep, expansive bank account of innumerable deposits. And life's good. Our relationship is resilient because of the positive commitments, our love, the willingness to apologize, to forgive, and invest, and move on. It is bigger than anything this world can extract from us. Marriages go adrift. People become roommates instead of lovers. They lose the joy and passion and fire only because they don't place more logs on the fire. It's not reasonable for you to put on there and think it's always going to burn. That's not fair. But with positive investment, they can keep burning. It might not always be a blaze, but it can get there. Living together in conflict 
In the absence of passion, it's a choice that you make because we grow weary in well-doing. There's an old saying, good things cease, not because they cease to be good, but because good people grow weary. In contrast, what the Bible says, don't grow weary. Why? Because if you just go get through it, there's a reward on the other side. Another saying says this, all that is required for evil to triumph is for good men to do nothing. The absence of positive contribution, a failure to protect, to increase resiliency. Now, now within reason, failures of commission, positive hurts, and I'm talking about research and study, say they don't ruin marriages. Fights don't ruin a marriage. Um personalities, a lack of compatibility, disagreements, conflict. And I'm stretching, even in affairs, in terms of percentage, do not ruin marriages. Usually an affair is, is a symptom of a root, and that root is often neglect. That's the destroyer. That's what ruins messages, marriages, is Everything in life is going to take a measure of abuse. That's, it, it's, it's just wrong-headed for you to think you can have a perfect marriage. I wish that for you. I want that for you. I think it can get better. I think fights and, and think you can grow up, you can be mature, you can diminish them, you can, you can, you can reduce them. But to think they're going to go away is like wishing you were never a sinner again. It's just not a fair expectation. I, and again, I... I'm pressing a point. I'm on one side of the coin tonight. What ruins marriages is a lack of grace and a lack of resiliency. Not negative issues. See, what marriages need are PSO, positive sentiment override. An overall feeling and persuasion, my marriage is good. And contrasting that with NSO, negative sentiment override. It was positive sentiment override that allowed Terry and I to move on from our fight, not thinking it was a big deal. Our thoughts of each other and our marriage were otherwise positive, happy, and good, and productive. And simply, the, it, over, it overrode anything that was negative. We see the world through a filter of positivity and the grace of God and a committedness to, to work past difficulties and simply make more positive investments. We have a high set point in our relationship. Love, affection, positive camp, capital simply exceeds the negative moments of our life. And if you say, well, that's not true for us, well, then fix it. And by fix it, I don't mean try to pick all the negative fruit off the tree. Simply grow new leaves and you'll get new fruit. Every product has a process. Change the process. You will get a different product. Okay, I don't, I don't like where I'm at. Okay, just begin to increase positive capital in marriage and you'll be surprised how so much of the negative sentiment will go away in time. I'm not trying to tell you not to resolve issues, but don't get so fixated on it that keeps you from going forward. Don't wait for things to be perfect. Just by the grace of God, go forward. 
Bible says, a man thinketh, so is he. In the balance of the equation of our life together, your good shall outweigh and triumph over any evil or bad. And when bad comes, be quick to mitigate it. Do what you can in grace and love. As Isaiah 59, 19 says, when the enemy shall come in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord shall lift up a standard against him. And that's what all the positive capital of your life should be, big enough and large enough to withstand the floods of life. 2 Corinthians 12 tells us that God's grace is always sufficient. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you that ye always have it all sufficient in all things, may abound to every good work. And adding to that principle of grace, lay up a grand storehouse of good works, positive investments, happy memories, and loving deposits. And the two of those things will be enough. You can have a great marriage. So tonight, can I, I'm going to, and actually, I just want to, this is so simple. What do I do? Okay, you ready? This is profound. End the neglect. But, 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 all these, now, end the neglect. I don't know where to start. Just end it. Apathy and indifference are the precursors to neglect and harm. So set aside a regular positive maintenance schedule. Go on a date. Regularly. Go on a walk. At least once a week. Stop arguing about all your differences and start building a life on some positives. I learned something. It's not possible. The law of physics, well, with maybe quantum physics, this would be true, but I'm not going there, to be here and here. So just choose to be here. Focus on the positive. Be there. Okay, this is super heady advice. Read a book together. Any subject. Two pens, one book. Share it. Talk about it. When you drive somewhere, talk about a chapter. A sex book is best, but whatever. (laughs) Tell your partner you love them every day. There is power, the power of life and death in words. You want more positivity in your marriage? Say positive words. I love you, Terry. Every day. Hug your wife in the kitchen just because. Surprise her. She might freak out. She may think she's being mugged, but just hug her in the kitchen. No reason. Just hug her and walk away. She'll be perplexed. Compliment your husband. Do something adventurous together. Watch a movie together. Kiss when passing. Just defer the next time you can. Attempt to do one thing the other person enjoys. You get the idea? James 4.17. 
Therefore to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him and to her, it is sin. I have all these issues. Just do good for each other. I don't feel, just try it. Just try it. Okay. Where your treasure is, where your efforts are, where your deposits, where your I love yous are, where your disciplined, consistent effort is, there and afterwards, your heart will follow. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for the night and this time together. I pray, Lord. Thank you for listening. Find more messages every week at CanyonRidgeBaptist.com. If you're in the San Diego area, join us for a service. We meet at 8.30 a.m., 10.30 a.m., and 5 p.m.